don't know about you guys, but I'm a little wobbly after that. <laughs> I didn't need a second, right? The spirit was grabbed a hold of me there, and I, I almost can't talk. So hold on just a minute. Um, sorry about that. That's a... Um, uh, let's find God this morning, yeah? I, I believe he's already entered this place in a really heavy way. So I'm excited to be here with you all this morning. We have big weekend coming up with the all-church retreat, right? We're going to lift and shift to Princeton, New Jersey, and spend some time with God down there. And so I'm going to talk about that today. But for those of you that aren't going to go on the retreat with us, I, I want you to understand that God has something for you in this and things that you can still take from him today, and so um, please don't put that lens over it if you're not going to the retreat with us. Just put that lens over what might my next step be with God, Um, but just to be perfectly honest, my prayer this week has been about the preparation for next weekend, and why do we do this? Why do we take the church somewhere and sequester ourselves, right? And part of that is to be with each other, and part of that is to spend time in community, but man, the biggest part of that is to give that time to God, Right? And to really go there with intentionality about what we're going to do with God and what posture we're going to take. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about it through the lens of Psalm 131, where David talks about these postures that he learned with God that brought him into a new place of maturity with God, brought him into a new season with God, a new way of interacting with him. And so I'm going to talk to you about that. As we think about when we pray and we think about when we spend time with God, what posture are we in? God's really convicted me about that lately to say, hey, Marcy, your posture doesn't usually change with me depending on what's going on in your life. And maybe we should think about that. Maybe we should think about the posture we take with God, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in praise, whether it's in time spent in petition, whether it's time spent in humility. And I would venture to say that we need to think about that and spend time in different postures with God, depending on how we're approaching him. Um, If you look through the Bible, you'll see that people took a different posture with him, depending on what was going on in their life. And God responded sometimes directly in correlation to their posture. So I want us to think about that this morning. We're going to talk about two postures specifically. There's lots of postures in the Bible that you can take. I took this verse, this passage from Psalm. If you, if you want to learn about the posture of being with God, Psalms is a great place to dig around in, right? Because there's so many different ways that that's shown to us there through the people that are speaking to him in Psalms. David wrote the one we're going to talk about today. I'm excited to talk to you about it because I think we have to have an objective for how we're going to spend time with God sometimes, We need to know what we're trying to get at with him. We need to be focused on what that is. And so for the purposes of this, I want us to focus on this next week as we prepare. As we prepare to go into the retreat, and then if if you are not going to the retreat, as you prepare to go into whatever circumstance might come your way this week, as you spend time with God. Um, David wrote this psalm that I'm going to go through with you, 131. He wrote several of the psalms. He wrote this, they, they believe, after he had come into his full provision from God. He was the king. All of the glory that God had promised him had come to full fruition, right? And sometimes we can get in that place in our life where God's answered the prayer and we're sort of puffed up about that, right? I'm all puffed up now. God's answered the prayer. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I have, right? So David talks to us about how he had to really step back from that haughtiness and that pridefulness. He had to dig around in his heart a little bit to figure out how he was approaching the God who had answered all of his prayers and made all of his promises come true. Right, So he talks about that in there, and then he also talks about another posture of childlike faith. And so I'm going to talk to you about those two things today. Um, we're not, David's life is worth studying, right? So if any of you guys just want to dig in in a really cool, biblical, 
person, right? David's life is worth studying. We're not going to talk about his life in detail today. That would be for another time. We're going to talk about this specific place that he had come to. You know, David's sort of my biblical badass, right? He took a rock to a knife fight. I'm all about that, right? I like that business right there. And he did that because he had the power of God, right? That's really the crux of that story is... I can take the rock to the knife fight because I have the power of God. I am empowered, right? And so, but I'm not going to preach you from the military lens today. So that's the only military analogy that's going to come out. I promised you all last week I wasn't going to do that, and I'm not. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk in a more tender way about God today. I want us to talk about the tenderness of our heart in reference to him. I want us to talk about the tenderness of our posture in reference to him. So David's really talking to us about how he brought himself to this place of stillness with God. Right, is how, and how he got to this place where he could commune with God in a different way. We've talked about this over the last few weeks in the church as we talked about this maturing this relationship with God, right, and upgrading our relationship with God and what does that look like. How do we get to this place where we can come to him in any circumstance and know what our posture needs to be and what do we need from that interaction with him. And so I want to talk to you guys about that today. We can learn a lot of lessons from David's life, right? The mistakes he made, the triumphs. He was a chosen child of God, no doubt about that in the Bible. But this very specific psalm, we get to see a template of how his posture in his heart and his mind gave him a greater benefit in the presence of God. So I want to talk to you guys about that this morning. David wrote Psalm 131, and here's what he said. We're going to tie this pretty closely to the text this morning. I want to make sure that we get after the weighty word of God this morning. It's incredibly important that you put on your listening ears to what God has to say through his Bible and not what Marcy Miller has to say. So I really want to tie this closely to the text this morning. He said, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So the psalm's not very long. It's just a few lines, but man, we can really dig around in that thing for a few minutes about what David learned that brought him to this place of being able to say that to God, right? Psalms were often sung. They were after, often songs that were sung. And, and so they believed that this was a psalm that was sung. Um, and so I want us to look at what, what that intimacy with God might look like. We get in that place of stillness, right? The interesting part about maturing this relationship with God as we talk about this is that David tells us very specifically that we will have to go back to childlike faith in order to mature in our relationship with God. The dichotomy there. It's really important for us to understand. I'm going to explain that to you as we talk about this this morning, right? So as we think about the author of this psalm, we look at his path that he took to get to this place. He had a, this was a hard-won place with God. David was a chosen child from a very early age, but this was a hard-won spot with him through much work and dedication on his part to get to this place with God, right? Um, he had gone through being chosen and sent back to work in the fields, and, and his, the true fruition of the things God had told him didn't come without persecution and exile and all these other things. I mean, it's a, it's a long story in the Bible. I encourage you to read about David at some point. But for today, we got to think about this fact that David must have had, even though he heard the clear word of God on his life, he must have had a human inclination to take thing in his, t- things into his own hands. He must have had a human in- inclination to believe that he was the reason that these things were happening, that it was through his own power. Um, and I think he made, obviously, I don't think, I know, he made some mor- morally, ethically wrong decisions through the rise and fall of his life, all the way up until his death, right? Um, he flowed out of trust and humility to God into pride and self-sustainment 
back and forth, right, over and over. And we think about ourselves. We have these times in our life where we really feel like we're in this trusting place and this humble place. And then, man, in the blink of an eye, we're right back to pride and self-sustainment. And what did I do? And how did I get this for myself, right? And how do I hold on to this thing? Um, And so I want us to think about that as we look at this this morning. You know, the problem is we can truly believe in God and and really be in prayer with him and be in communion with him and still live our daily lives as a practical atheist. I mean, we can still do that, right? We think about that. We can say, I have a relationship with God. I believe in him. I love him. But on the day-to-day, we're, we're a practical atheist, and for all intents and purposes, what goes on in our life, we bring about, right? What goes on in our life, we choose. We manifest, right? Um, and so we live as, as though he isn't in our thoughts and actions every day. So we have to think about what that might look like. Sometimes even in our religious experience, we might seek emotion and experience, right, instead of the reality of his presence. I want to challenge us to think about that dichotomy. Do I want an experience at church that makes me feel good, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But where do we connect that to the reality of his presence? So I want to talk to you guys about that this morning, right? As we go back to the text, the first posture I want to talk to you about is this bowed head posture. So God's been talking to me about this a lot lately, What posture do you get in when you come to me, Marcy? What posture do you get in when you pray with me, when you spend time with me? Do you ever bow your head? Do you ever get in this posture with me? Are you ever arms outstretched, head bowed? And if you are, why? We need to think about that, right? David talks about the posture. My eyes are not haughty. I'm not looking at things too too grand for me, right? What posture do we take when we get into the presence of God? So I want to talk about that posture this morning. David's finally able to tell God that he didn't get any of the success on his own, right? Nothing was his doing. He realizes that God put him on the path that he put him on very purposefully, right? And then what sin does is it delays and thwarts the blessings that God has for us. Even when he promises them and we see them, our only sin gets in the way and it thwarts that and it takes away from those blessings, Right? David's come to this place of conscious surrender. It's not a temporary surrender forced by a circumstance. It's a conscious, permanent surrender, and it's bowed head. Right? So I want to think about that posture. I want you to think in your own life how many times you've gotten in this posture in front of God. Because I'll tell you, God convicted me about it, and there wasn't very many times when I was in reverent surrender to him, head bowed, and stayed that way till my heart was cleaned out, till my eyes weren't haughty, till I wasn't thinking of things too grand for me, right? There's a reason for the posture. It's not just to get in the posture. It's then to mine our hearts and our minds for the things that are barriers with God. What have you put in the way, right? And so thinking about that posture, David further tells us in the text, my eyes are not haughty. He's finally learned, right, that there's a reverence in knowing that the source of everything he needs comes from above, He doesn't have to live in this desperation and panic about what is he going to do. I'm in charge of this kingdom. I'm in charge of these people. I'm in charge of this space. What do I do? What do I do? Right? And living in this place of concern. His own own arrogance up to this point has caused nothing but discontent and strife. And I would willing to bet that if we look back at the places where our own arrogance takes over, our own um, pridefulness takes over, those have caused massive areas of discontent and strife in our life. I would guarantee if we go back and connect those things up, Right? If we draw lines back to those things, we're going to realize when the discontent and the strife came, we had not been in this posture. When did we get in that posture last? I would encourage you to think about that as that starts to come. 
It's one of the things that God's been talking to me about is, hey, Marcy, is the circumstances too bad? Maybe you need to come to me in a different posture. It allows me to get into places that you wouldn't normally let me access because you don't think I needed there, right? So head bowed. So we need to think about that. As we get into the presence of God, we have to think about the surrender in that posture, right? So we have to think about whether we trust that place, This idea, as we talk about this surrendered posture, this head down, this mining our heart, that is a vulnerable place to be, right? And I would probably venture to say the reason we don't get in that posture is because it's a vulnerable place to be. If you think about that to yourself, if you're if you're in your, you know, in your house, you're spending this time with God, and you're in this posture, and you're really opening up your mind and your heart, man, that's a vulnerable place to sit, right? Some of us are really uncomfortable in that. I want to be in that place with God. So we've got to talk about the posture of trust. So the second posture we're going to talk about this morning is this posture of trust. Why God needs us to have this posture of trust in concert with this posture of humility, this posture of reverence, right? Because they have to go hand in hand. And so David further gets down into the text, right, and talks to us about how we can calm and quiet ourselves. And so this is the part where God really got a hold of me. This is the the second posture I want to talk to you about this morning. So as I got my head bowed, right, and I'm in this vulnerable place, and I think I trust God, but I feel those inklings. Not sure I like this place. How quick can I move out of this place? Have I done my due diligence, right? I'm on my knees. I've done this thing. God's saying, well, we got to talk about trust because that's what makes you want to stay in this place. That's what makes you want to return to this place of head bowed, eyes down, right, in reverent surrender to your God. So we talk about this next part of the text where he says, I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. So I want to talk about this part. This short psalm has just like this huge revelation in it, right? It talks about this intimate space with God. I want you to think about a weaned child against its mother. There aren't very many more intimate postures that are taken in the world. Right? That posture of child and mother is represented over and over in the Bible. Right? And, and in this context, I'm going to put it in the context of being at the bosom of God. Right? He's the, the, the place where we go to be weaned. And so I want to talk to you about that. The strange part of this as we talked about this right, is as we humble ourselves, we have to get in childlike state to get to this place with God. And so as we look at this psalm of obtaining posture and contentment, right, we have to study that. And so I want to look at this portion of the psalm. I remember when I had my daughter, so she came eight weeks early, and she was in the NICU for six weeks. She wasn't sick. She was just little, Um, but I was totally freaked out by that, as you can imagine. It was not the plan, Um, and I remember when they told me, she'll be in the NICU for three weeks, and I thought, there's no way I'll be able to handle that. She ended up being there for six weeks. It's amazing what God will give you strength for, right? But I remember the nurse telling me, the best thing you can do for her is put her against your skin and sit like that, And at the time, I thought, okay, but she has all these monitors and all these tubes and all these things, right? And so what good is it going to do to disconnect her from that stuff and put her against me? Although I wanted that, obviously. I didn't get to hold my baby in the early stages of her life. And so when the nurse said I could have her, of course, I was clamoring over everybody, right? Let me have that child. And so here's what the nurse explained to me. When you put that child, because she was created by you, right, 
she's yours, you have cellular connection to that child, when you put that child up against your chest, it resets her bodily functions. It resets her blood pressure, it resets her heart rate, it resets the way the blood's flowing in her body, resets all of that. And it lasts for hours after you leave. She said, we can watch the monitors after you've held that baby against you for, for you know, 15 or 20 minutes, whatever it was, and it resets her bodily functions for hours after you are not here anymore. That child is still reaping the benefit of having been reset against their creator, right? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean. God created her, obviously, but gave me to her to cook. I tell her that all the time. <laughs> I cooked you. I'm in charge, right? So, so this idea of holding her against me. And so every day I would go in there and I'd put this child up against me and and. I would try to manifest, you know, try to think about that, like, God, whatever's supposed to go out of me to her, you know, and we would have these moments. And so this idea of needing to be reset is huge to me as we think about this posture with God, right? And so what happened in the, in the end result of that, right, is that my child then began the first battle of our lives, the first battle you go through, which is weaning. That's the first battle in your life. You don't remember it, thankfully. But that's the first real battle you went through is the weaning off of the constant sustenance of your parent. The constant, right? I, I have what you need. I have what you need. I have what you need. It's right here. It's right here. You don't have to wait. There's no, there's no reason to have any thought process about it, right? It's right here. But what David's trying to tell us in this psalm is there's two parts to that. That part of being held is so important. But then we have a part of being weaned that we need to talk about, right? And so as I held my child and I realized that that resetter functions and that that was useful to her for hours and hours after that was over, then I thought about this process of weaning, right? As she became stronger and more mature in this relationship, she began this battle of weaning. It's that, de- that desperate physiological need started to go away a little because she understood and trusted that her needs were going to be met, right? As, child, as a child grows even a little bit, they understand that that need's going to be met. They start to become more comfortable with that, right? And so then she now is able to just come sit against me. Any of you guys who have kids, you know this. They'll just come and touch you, right? And then they go. You're like, I don't know what that was for, right? I kind of know what it's for now. God kind of taught me this in here to say, that's what I want you to do with me. Here's the second posture. We have to spend time in both of those places. We have to spend time up against the chest and heartbeat of God. You will have to get yourself in a place where you can sit in his lap and listen to his heartbeat because it will reset your functions, It will reset you in a way that nothing else can because he created you. He's the only one who can reset it that way. And you need to get in a posture of in his lap, up against his heart, still and quiet. I encourage us to spend time in the lap of God. Right? How many times do we think to ourselves, I'm going to climb up in the lap of God. I'm going to lean in and listen to his heartbeat and let him reset me. I had never thought about that until I read this psalm and I was like, I need to spend time in the lap of God, right? Now, I know that there's some of us in this room who think, I don't even understand what that means because my earthly parents never allowed that posture with them. I've never been held like that. Takes me to a place of distrust because I don't understand what that is to climb up in someone's lap and have them love me that much. Listen, Anything in the earthly life that made you feel unworthy, God is ready to correct that. 
He is ready to put you in his lap, let you lean up against you, and he will immensely love you to cover anything that wasn't done for you here. Anything that wasn't done for you here. So I encourage you, for, for some of us, to me, it makes total sense. My dad had a recliner that had a Marcy butt print in it because all the way, he died when I was 43 years old, and until I was 43 years old, when I was in a room with my dad, I was in the recliner on the side up against him. I wanted to touch him. So this, par- this parallel makes total sense to me because I had that relationship with my earthly father. Simply being near his skin was important to me. It mattered, right? But some of us don't have that earthly relationship with a parent, and God wants to fill that space, and he will fill that space. And so I ask you to get in that posture of up against him. How do I get up against his skin, right? And then as we get in that posture, we learn this weaning process, right? Then he takes us to this weaning process where we learn that there's times when we have to get in this posture of being fully up in and cuddled and held, There's other times, though, when the posture can shift a little bit, and all I have to do is reach out and touch. I get a little touch. I get reset. I feel myself spiraling. Where's he at? Right? I get over. I get a hold of him. I get reset. And then I can go. And that's the part David's talking about in the weaning. There's times when we have to be in this desperate place with God. We need to be up against. He needs to reset us. And and I want us to understand that as a posture and recognize that. I don't want us to dismiss that. But I also want us to realize that God's ultimate goal with us is that we're able to walk through the circumstances and consequences of our life in this way that we trust that it isn't from a place of desperation that we trust that he's there and I can reach out and I can touch and I can get what I need and then I can go and I'm okay because he's still there right all of you guys have have seen kids on a playground and they're running and and something might go on somewhere and they're not totally sure they don't need to come back to you they just find you lock eyes right you guys have your kids do that They just lock eyes with you, and then they're okay. They don't have to come all the way back every time because they've started to trust this relationship. You're there. I see you. Every time I try to find your gaze, I find you, and you're there, right? And so it's a dual posture there. I encourage you, if you've never tried the posture of getting up in God's lap, to do that and spend time there and see what it will do for you. But I also encourage you, as you pray with God, to Think about that idea of when I'm in the midst of the circumstance and I feel it going down, where is he? And I can lock eyes, I can get filled, right, in this maturity with him, in this new space with him, in this new posture with him, to be able to say, you're there and I see you and I can get filled up, I can reach out and touch, and, it, and that touch will have just what you need, not for anybody else, not for any other circumstance, it's completely and intimately yours, and you get to touch that and then you get to go back. And move on with whatever it is that you were doing with the confidence that God's now empowered you, right? That we have empowerment in that. He transfers authority to you. He transfers love to you. Transfers wisdom to you. There's a lot that gets transferred in that process, right? We don't want to miss out on any of that. And so that's the part where we have to learn to trust. So the trusting part of knowing that you're over there and I can look at you and I can see you and I can get what I need, I would venture to say doesn't come without the first part of the posture, which is where we spend time in the lap of God. We're going to have to do both in order to get that completely walked out with him, right? You're going to have to spend time in both. So as he talks about that, about I am a weaned child, right? I see David climbing up in the lap of God, putting his head against the chest of, of his father, right? 
realizing that his contentment comes from spending time in humility and reverence in God's mere presence because of who he is and not for what he can do for us. Right? Just time spent for who he is and that he created you and that he's the one who can reset your function. So I encourage us to spend time in both of those. We need to rest in that. He'll wean us from the things we used to rely on, right? We think about the things that we rely on. I want you to mind that this week as you think about the things that you rely on that might make your eyes haughty and your heart prideful. As we spend time in his lap, it weans us from pride in our own effort. It weans us from fear and anxiety that's going to be met with his overwhelming peace to us in that space, right? We'll find contentment in that love even in the bad times. We'll be able to recall that thing. It'll be the ultimate act of surrender, right, to the knowledge that you only find true contentment in the lap of God, in bowed reverence to him. God made you. It only makes sense that spending time up against him would quiet your spirit. So when you're unsettled, we need to think about the posture we take. And can we switch that up and get into a place of quiet spirit with God? David then completes the psalm by telling Israel to put his hope, their hope in the Lord for now and, and forevermore. David's talking about taking this weaned child out of a temporary condition into a state of sustained comfort, right? That's part of being in this God's promises. And we talked about that last week. How do I get to this place of sustained comfort in my circumstances, right? It's believed that he was writing that part of the psalm as a post-exilic prayer to the Israelites, saying, you can rest now. You can trust. God's shown you what he can do for you, right? We can rest in that. So as we complete this psalm, God, God gives us this very specific look at what our posture might look like with him, ways we can think about that, what can we do with that. So I want you to think about that, realizing that even though David has come into his calling, he's retained all the power and prestige that God promised him, he realizes in that moment he has to come back to the bosom of his creator, to his father, and rest there. He needs to reset his soul in the knowledge that God has a perfect plan for him. He has a perfect plan for him. And he will quiet you in that. So I want to really pay, pray about what posture we take this week with God. I encourage you as we get ready to go to this retreat, spend some time thinking about what posture you take in your time with God anyway, during your prayer time, during your praise time, whatever that is. I encourage us to switch that up. Even if you just choose one area, mind your heart for what might be blocking for anything God might want to tell you this weekend. Bow. Get in bowed reverence to him and stay there long enough for him to get in that with you, right? Stay there till your knees are uncomfortable. Stay there till your neck hurts. Let him get in, in relationship with you there, right? I encourage you, if you can, at some point this week, to spend some time in the lap of God for no other reason than to see the benefit that you might reap from that. Just sit up in his lap for a little while and see what that might do for you. It'll be interesting as we do that, as we mine our heart and our mind and we get in this reverent place, we get things out of the way that are in the way of what God might want to do with you next weekend or what he might want to do with you this week, depending on how your week is and what circumstances you have going on. God might want to do some things. It might be a game changer to change our posture. I'd be interested to know I prayed and bowed reverence and the power of God came in in a different way, right? I sat in his lap and this unsettled spirit settled and I was able to have some peace in an area that I haven't been able to gain right I was in a circumstance and I knew I needed God and I only had a second and I found him and I locked eyes and I got some some of his power and I held it and then I went on to what I was doing empowered by him less fear right less anxiety 
So I want you to think about those two postures this week as we go into this preparation for next weekend. It'll be interesting as you get into next weekend and you get into the retreat, what postures God might have you take there. It's just to change our way of thinking, right, about how we approach our creator, about how we approach our all-powerful God. Um, I'll be doing it with you. I'm excited about that. As I've done the bowed head this week, it's been amazing the way God's spoken to me in just a completely different way. And I always feel like he's there, but it's interesting when we change it up with him and we give him a little more access, we give him a little more space. He comes in in such a big way, much different than what we were even expecting. And I want that for you. I want you to be able to get yourself postured in a place where God can come in in the most powerful way possible and you can accept it. You can take that in. So will we go into this weekend at least attempting to rest and reset our functions in the lap of God? Will we go into this weekend attempting to mine some things out of our heart that might be in the way? To lower our heads and our, and our countenance in reverence to our creator? I just challenge us to think about that. Let's pray. Lord, I'm humbled to be in bowed reverence to you. There are times when I need to meet your eyes, I need to meet your gaze, but there are times when I need to be head bowed in humility for the things that you do for us, the things that you want for us in our lives. I ask as we go into this weekend, we go into this with a humble appreciation about what it is that you might have for us each individually, what you might have for this church. We don't want to miss that because our eyes are not in the correct posture because our heart's not in the correct posture. I don't want this congregation and these people to miss the blessing of having their soul quieted in your presence. I ask that you give us the energy for that. We go into this week so joyful and excited about the fact that you're giving us this opportunity to just spend time with you away from everything else. We praise you for that. We're so grateful for that. I ask as we enter this week that you allow us to get into a new posture with you, that you give us energy to stay there. You give us energy to be able to reap the things that you have for us there. We praise you, and I lift this congregation up to you in your son's holy name. Amen.